Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism and its local missions fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. I want to let you know that we need your support in the movement of the gospel ministry in Asia, Africa, South America, and Eastern Europe. God is at work. We're so thankful that he's using us. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Now from Romans 2, verses 25 through Romans 3, 2, Paul is speaking to the Jew who has boasted in the ordinance of circumcision and in their religious heritage. Paul's answer is that neither of them will save them from God's judgment against their sins. In the same way, Christian, you are not saved by going to church, getting baptized, or taking communion. And you're also not saved because you come from a long line of faithful followers of the Lord Jesus. The Jew answers Paul by saying, then what's the value of being a Jew and a member of the covenant people of God? Now pay close attention to Paul's answer. Their advantage is ours as well if we choose to live in it. Actually, it's kind of a fair question. The Jew could look through the history of his people and see that their privileges and position had brought upon them significant suffering. They had been the messengers of God to the nations, and the nations didn't like their message. And you know what happens when you don't like the message? You kill the messenger. They had been the ones who had brought the Ten Commandments to the nation, and the nations didn't like being pricked by the goad of the Ten Commandments. And so they turned against the messenger of the Jews and brought their wrath upon them. And then they were the people from which the Messiah had risen up, and Satan didn't like that. Satan sought to destroy the child, the Messiah, and if he couldn't destroy the child, the Messiah, what would he do? He would persecute and seek to destroy the mother, the Jews. He's done it throughout their history. They could see the story of satanic efforts to bring destruction upon them, to kill the Messiah, and then now to bring destruction upon them because they were the mother of the Messiah. And What misery and what difficulty it had in being a Jew. What benefit? Look at this. And then not only that, when they didn't obey God and they rebelled against God, God was against them too. He was punishing them and he was bringing his judgment against them because the responsibilities had been placed upon them. The question is kind of fair. The question is, what's the benefit of being circumcised, being a Jew, having this identity? Paul now tells them of their advantage. He says to this question, what's the benefit of being a Jew? He says, much in every way. All kinds of benefits. Too much to number is basically what he's saying. You have great advantages. You have, and think about it for a moment, you have the testimony, a national testimony, of a great legacy, a story of God's work and pursuit to bring you as a people to himself and save you as a people to himself and lift you up as a people to bring a message to the world. You have the story of Abraham who followed and went out from his people to be faithful to God and received a promise from God and received the promise in old age that from him would rise up one who would, and through him and through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. You have the story of God raising up a Joseph, provided providential care for the family of Israel and preserved not only them, but all of Egypt in the midst of a great famine. And, And then you have the story of God putting together and consolidating a great nation while they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, but maintaining their identity. And then at just the right moment, God coming in a miraculous work of 10 tremendous plagues and then the Passover, God leading them out from bondage and bringing them through the parted Red Sea and then God leading them by a cloud that would cover them by day and a 
pillar of fire by night and guide them through the wilderness and feed them with manna and then miraculously lead them into the promised land and grant them victory before nations that were armed when they had nothing but sticks and staves to go against them with. You had a great story. You have heroes like Moses and Joshua and Samuel and David and you have heroes like Daniel even in the midst of our times of suffering. Great is your story. Great is the witness what God has given you. And when Paul says, first of all, that's what it says in Romans 3, 2. He doesn't give us a second, a third, and a fourth. So when he says, first of all, he means this, chiefly, above everything else, most importantly, a significance that outweighs all of the other things that I can think of that are an advantage of being a Jew. Above everything else, he says, significantly, to you has been committed the oracles of God. Now the word oracles was used four times in the New Testament. And it just simply means this. The oracle is God's spoken communication to people. It's God's divine revelation of his will and his purposes to individuals. God had given them his word. He had spoken through Moses and they had their first five books of the Old Testament that we have, the Torah. He had continued to speak to them to the prophets and all the rest of their sacred scripture was filled in and, and nothing, nothing gave them a greater advantage in life and a greater importance than this. God had spoken to them. God had spoken to them. There's nothing that was more meaningful than that. I remember when I had finished my freshman year of college and it was the summertime and I decided to go to a church camp that was in Oregon and there were calculations in my mind on why I was going to go, but the primary calculation was that there was this really lovely girl that had grown up at that camp, and I wanted to catch her eye. I wanted to see if that might be the gal for me. And I remember going to the camp, and there was a large tabernacle where people would come and meet, and there'd be maybe a thousand people that would meet for the services. And, and on that occasion, there was a well-known speaker that was famous across the country that was speaking, and uh, that didn't really matter to me. I found out where the girl was sitting with her parents and I positioned myself so that I was in eye line between the pulpit where the pastor was speaking and where the girl was sitting. And I even turned my head just a little bit. You know, I'd been a boy the year before, but I thought maybe I was moving towards becoming a man and I was hoping she might recognize that it might be the case. So I positioned myself there and then when the service was over, although I wanted to approach her, I didn't, I didn't approach her. I stood back at the back of the tabernacle where you're meeting outside. And she came to me, and she said hello to me and greeted me. She spoke to me. And her address to me opened up a whole new possibility for that week. It became eventually a possibility for my life. She spoke to me. That's what it took. The God of all creation. The God who spoke and brought creation into being by his word, spoke to you and your people. That's your great advantage. God speaks and God makes himself known. Let me ask you a question. What brings you to this place? Why do we gather together? And what do we gather around? When the Spirit of God created the church on the day of Pentecost, we're told that the church began to meet in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and the first matter of the concern as they united together to meet was to receive the apostles' doctrine. 
they met in order that they might gain the advantage of hearing and learning the revealed Word of God, a Word that had now found its fulfillment and its fullness in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the spoken Word of God that had now culminated under the apostolic witness in the Word who was made flesh, so that all of the Word was about Christ. It was the Word of God bringing to us the flesh, the Word of God, Christ Himself. Exalted in these things. This was the grace that they had received. This was the truth that they received. This was the life that they longed for. This was the salvation that was theirs. It was gathering to hear and learn and sit under the expression of God's truth and God's word. So what brings you to gather? What is it that you want and that you prize in this thing that you call the Christian life? What's the chief thing? Shouldn't it be this? That God speaks to you? That God in creative power lets his voice echo in your ears? Shouldn't it be that his spirit can take this word that we are considering this morning and through it communicate his voice and his truth to our souls? Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, how will we have life in our churches if God's not speaking, if his word is not spoken? Is that what you long for? Is that where your direction is put? Is the great expectation and desire of your life when you gather with other believers is to gather to hear the voice of God speaking and being heard? The question that should be asked at the end of any lesson in the Bible or any sermon that's preached is, was the Word of God clearly presented? Was it playfully and clearly put forth? Did I hear it? Did God speak to me? Was I listening? That's where life comes from. That's where the creation comes from. You know, the church, before the Reformation, had turned to rituals and sacraments from which to build up their sense of identity. The symbols of the mass and the mysteries of the ritual of the church were put forward to impress people and set upon them experiences that would fill them with awe and wonder and would captivate their attention and their allegiance to the church. If we just gin up enough emotional experience in their life, if we can just somehow impress them with the awe of the encounters they have, that will suffice and that will be enough. These rituals and these sacraments actually represented spiritual realities, but eventually the spiritual truth was set aside. And to most, only the outward forms remained and they were hollow. But then the Great Reformation came. And in the Great Reformation, there was a reclaiming of the Word of God. Sola Scriptura. God's Word alone. And eventually, as a result of that, the table and the altar and the outward forms of ritual were set to the side of the church. And at the center of the church, a pulpit was set where the Word of God was to be placed and preached and proclaimed. And that was central to the life of the church. This Word taught and spoken. It was what the people gathered and longed to hear simply this, God's word being put forth was the one great advantage in the church, a pulpit with an open Bible. I'm concerned now for the church. 
We seem to be moving back to what will impress. But the word of God is the hunger to hear him speak. To know that that's where life begins. And that's where life is sustained. And that's the one thing we long for above everything else. What's needed today? Reformation. The word to become central again. What's needed again today? Revival. Hearts that are not satisfied with a legacy and a heritage and a ritual and a declaration of connection to things that have been taught in the past, but a spiritual reality that makes it essential, makes it essential. Give us your word. We'll gather around it. We'll celebrate it. We'll sing our songs. We'll sing our praise. We'll worship. We'll pray. It will rise from a people united around the faithful instruction of God's word. God's word. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, I would faithful be. Give me the power. Give me the power. Dear Jesus, I would be faithful in the day of plenty and in the day of want. Lord, help us to be faithful when all men call out for this hurt speech of God and help us to be faithful when there's a famine of your word in the land that we might long for nothing more than that you might speak to us. And Lord, help us to judge where your voice is heard. It's not the word of ethics. It's not the word of political analysis. It's not... This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.